0: everyone, and welcome back to We're Watching Star Trek, the original series. I am Brandon, as always, here with Dan. How's it going? And Paul is still out with technical issues. Uh, it actually turns out he's just having some problems getting apart, so uh, hopefully he can come back and join us next week. But for this week, we are watching Season 1, Episode 7, What Are Little Girls Made Of? Original air date, October 20th, 1966. And it turns out they're not made of sugar and spice and everything nice. No. But this episode does open with the Enterprise flying towards an icy looking planet called XO3, and Kirk and his crew are on the bridge where they usually are, and he informs uh, Nurse Christine Chapel that they're entering the planet's orbit, which was nice for me to see that she's not just like a one-off character from the Naked Time. Like, I thought she was just going to kind of be one of those people that we didn't see again.
1: Right. She's, you know, I figured they were just going to kind of push her to the background.
0: Yeah, I thought she would, like, maybe show up here or there and not have, like, basically a whole, you know, episode around her. But Kirk is talking to her uh, about how she gave up a career in bio-research to sign up aboard a starship. And then she makes this kind of weird reply about how, you know, she she knows he's alive down there on the planet. Because they typically, for some reason, I don't know why they they typically, like, keep their new characters or, like, their subject matter kind of secret. For a little bit in the episodes but there I, I noticed during this too that there's a lot of radio chatter in the background like a lot of people giving you know various reports and ship system reports which is something that we haven't heard yet on the enterprise and i think that like personally i just really enjoy it like i feel like it makes the enterprise feel like you know a ship like more stuff's going on and there's more people on there than just the people on the screen
1: you're just not focused focused on one or two characters
0: Right, yeah, it just seems like there's more going more, on around that. It feels
1: that. more organic.
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. Like, they are actually on a ship that's doing stuff. Uh, but Kirk says that it's been five years since, you know, his being the guy on the planet since his last message. Uh, and Christine says that, you know, Roger is a very determined man and that he's going to find a way to live. So Uhura informs Kirk that she's sending some signals signals to the surface. And Spock says that their records show that there is little about the planet that they don't already know, and that it's uh, 1.1, the gravity, the gravity of Earth, and the atmosphere is within their safety limits, so they can obviously visit it. And Kirk says that the surface temperature of the planet is uh, 100 degrees below zero, which I was like, hey, you know, maybe they'll send Sulu. He's got some experience with uh, frozen environments.
1: Yeah, just just give him a blanket and he's good to go.
0: Yeah, and the coffee that he wanted, or wine, I guess. And one of the, like, that unicorn dog thing again. So Spock replies that the planet may have been inhabited once, but the sun in the system has been steadily fading for about a half million years. And he says that Dr. Corby, uh, often called the Pasteur of Archaeological Medicine, revolutionized immunization techniques and his translation of medical records from the Orion Ruins, which Kirk says was a required reading at the academy, um, and Kirk says that he always wanted to meet the guy, but I didn't know what he meant when he said he was the the pasteur of you know that stuff. So I guess he was referring to uh, I looked it up, so he was referring to Louis Pasteur, which was a french French chemist. And a microbiologist who was renowned for his discoveries in the principles of vaccination and micro microbial fermentation and pasteurization. So I guess he's kind of like oh really yeah he's like the father of modern medicine. Like pretty much everything we know about that stuff now uh, was based off of his findings and like his theories and stuff. Which like just oh that's
1: interesting I didn't know that yeah
0: and and like Spock just have re- has references to everything. Like, I I swear he's read, like, every book or, like, every page on their internet. And he just, like, every time anything happens, he's like, oh, yeah, I got a reference for this. Like, he's that guy. Nerd. Yeah. So uh, Kirk asks Spock if he thinks that there's any chance that Dr. Corby is still alive and Spock turns off the screen and just doesn't say anything. (laughs) Like, he just he didn't even want to say no. He's just like, "Eh, I'm not even going to dignify that with an answer. Like you know how cold it is there. There's no way he's still. Yeah, lying. he's like he's like. What are you stupid? Like I'm not. I'm not answering that question. Like it's a dumb question. Uh, but Ahura says that she tried all the frequencies and she hasn't gotten a response. So Kirk just tells her to you know keep on trying. You know stay busy. And then uh, a crew member comes up and hands Kirk this giant like tablet looking thing with uh, a stylus. And I used that actually in uh, that game Star Trek Bridge Crew. You can play on the original enterprise and you have to use that for a lot of like little stuff like selecting different planets and you know different systems and that thing was confusing as hell in that game and i I hope that we get to see it a little bit more to see like its actual function in the show because it it was there was a lot to it in that game and it's also like huge it's not like you know modern day tablets like just he almost like handed him a tv
1: yeah i was about to say uh wouldn't it be more practical to have a you know, smaller cell phone device that can do that. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, you 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 can teleport people to the planet, but you have a giant tablet. You know, it, it, impractical. Yeah, I
0: I would think that at that point they would have maybe something built into his chair, or just like put a screen kind of in front of him, or just off to the side or something. But uh, yeah. So Nurse Chapel says that her last uh, signal told about how. Uh Corby had found some underground caverns and and Kirk tells her, you know, since then two expeditions have gone to look for him and they failed, when Uhura suddenly gets a call from Dr. Corby, and that's when they fade into the show opening. But it comes back for with a captain's log where Kirk reveals that Corby and part of his expedition are alive due to the discovery of the underground ruins. So, you know, they went down and hid beneath the planet's surface.
1: Which you would imagine that would be cold, also, right?
0: Uh, I don't. Well, like igloos aren't cold, right? I mean, are are igloos cold inside? Like I thought that I mean, just having I, the enclosure. Uh, I I don't know exactly. I'm not. I'm gonna be completely honest. I have no clue. <laughs> I thought that like you know going underground it would be warmer, right? That's why animals burrow and stuff in the winter. Like I don't know exactly. Oh, that's true. Just like. Because it's it's kind of like insulation, right? Like, doesn't the the dirt and things up top act as an insulation from the cold?
1: Well, that I'd imagine any any protection from the wind hitting you. Yeah, would that's be another a big thing. Help.
0: Yeah, I imagine that as well. Uh, so Kirk tells uh or Kirk says that they've pinpointed Corby's coordinates and that they're preparing to beam down a party. Uh, he's having this conversation with Corby. And he begins to tell him that Nurse Chapel is with him, but Corby, like, interrupts him with this kind of weird request. And he's like, hey, you know, I just want you to come down by yourself because we made a discovery. And, you know, we're going to kind of need an extraordinary decision from you. Uh, Spock starts to wonder if it's actually Dr. Corby. And Christine's like, oh, you know, have you ever been engaged? Which uh, Spock seems pretty surprised. Like, he, he raises his eyebrow. He's like, what do you think?
1: But like love, is it. illogical. Yeah, he's
0: like, we don't we don't do that stuff. Actually,
1: do they get engaged? Oh my! Uh, that is a good that's a good question. I don't know.
0: Okay, so I did I didn't want to go in this this direction, but now you've got me thinking about this because you know they probably do find that like love is this illogical thing, and you know they're probably really against it. So does that mean that they just like procreate because they have to, like they don't do it for fun?
1: So it's more animalistic than you know
0: humanity yeah they get like no joy out of it they're like well you know we got to keep our species going so you know we might as well just go do it but they're just like straight like, faced the whole worried time about
1: our intellect they're more in what more worried about their intellect than pleasure
0: yeah this is one of those things where like it flashes through my mind for a second and i'm like i should see how vulcans have sex and then immediately i'm like no that's a terrible idea that's a, <laughs> an absolutely fucking terrible idea like don't google that
1: You don't want to go down that dark web.
0: Yeah, no, no, I don't. Uh, Kirk says that it's going to be a party of two. And uh, Corby's like, oh, yeah, you know, you can uh, beam Christine down because he seems like super surprised that she's there because like she talked to him for a second. and He's like, oh, my gosh, you know, it's you. Uh, So they're just going to go Kirk and Christine are going to get beamed down to the planet. And I noticed that during this scene, I don't know if you saw this. But while Kirk is talking to Corby over, you know, the intercom system or whatever he's using, uh, there's a guy in a blue shirt and and blue pants behind him and a girl in a gold uniform. And they're just kind of standing back there staring at Kirk. And the dude looks like he's seen the most disgusting thing he's ever seen in his life. Like he's just some extra back there and he looks incredibly disgusted with his entire affair.
1: No, I totally missed that. Oh. I did not see that.
0: Go back and just like just watch the beginning of this. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like this random, just kind of extra, and they're totally out of place because there's nobody else in the shot. Like it's, it's Kirk and Christine and this guy and this extra, like this extra guy and girl in the back, and he just looks so disgusted. <laughs> He's like, ugh, gross. We're going to like you were gonna go to a planet. Like, just disgusting. It's just incredibly well, out
1: of Maybe place. maybe uh. Maybe one of the past crew members was one of his friends and he blames Kirk for his death.
0: Yeah, maybe he's going to show up in like every episode from now on in the background just like shaking his head and just looking disgusted at everything Kirk does. He's like, oh, you picked steak you for a dinner? Steak guy. Yeah, just, just, <laughs> <laughs> just like randomly in every hallway. He's like, oh, if you wore those shoes today, disgusting. Like you would
1: wear those shoes. You're a horrible captain. Yeah.
0: So Kirk and Christine go to the transporter room to get beamed down by a guy who is definitely not Scotty. So he must
1: have been, you know he must have had the day off. Also, so you're about to go to a planet that is a hundred below and you don't put a coat on.
0: Yeah, that's exactly where I was just going. They go, they beam down to an icy underground cavern and they have like no thermal gear, no coat. Like she, She's she, in didn't, a skirt. Even, yeah, she didn't even put on pants, like regular pants.
1: How formal do you have to be uh, going to an icy world? I mean, I, yeah. Can't change uniform. You have to
0: feel like this guy who's been, you know, missing for like five years isn't
1: going to be mad if they showed up in like a coat. I mean, that would be logical.
0: Yeah. Spock would have sent them down
1: with a coat. He's like, "Uh, why are you guys going down there without protection?
0: Yeah. It's just, especially after the whole thing that just happened with Sulu not too long ago. Like if there's, if it's going to be cold, you
1: know, at the very least wear a jacket. But I don't know. Maybe. Well, maybe at this point Frost. Maybe frostbite isn't a problem in the future. They're like, oh, we'll just regenerate your fingers or your toes.
0: Yeah, that's true. If you remember uh, during um, oh, what episode was, it? I can never remember the titles of the episodes. Uh, the Enemy Within, when they did rescue everybody off the frozen planet, they mentioned that they had some frostbite that they were going to be fine. So maybe they can just like regenerate all that stuff. But st- I, w- I still wouldn't want to go through it. No,
1: you you're, you, want to be like, oh, the technology is there to fix my f- you know, frostbite toes. So I'm gonna use it. No, you you protect yourself. Yeah.
0: But uh, they get down there and they don't see Corby anywhere. And uh, you know, Kirk was like, you yeah, know, he's supposed to meet us here. So maybe we beamed
1: into the wrong entrance. And Spock calls. Well, I I I, I was gonna say right there to me was an instant red flag. Yeah. Because you would think. He would be super excited to see his fiancée right. after five years.
0: Right. Uh, but the other thing is, I guess, like, they just talked to him on this, uh, you know, communicator a couple of minutes ago at most. So I figured, you know, it's a little bit shady for him to not be there, but also maybe it takes him a second to get from where he was to where they're beaming to. But why couldn't they beam him directly into, like, the main portion of the cabin or the
1: cavern? I'm not sure. It, have we figured out are they able to go through solid rock when they're being teleported down um if you remember in the naked time had that been, had that been canon well they been canon yet well i
0: don't know about solid rock but in the naked time they beamed into the uh station or wherever while the frozen people were but also
1: oh that's true
0: remember at the end of mud's women though they had to beam to the outside of that building and then go inside and then when they were you know, getting ready to get picked up, they had to leave the building. So I don't know, but I mean, hmm. like if if they can beam, you know, through the ship's hull, I wouldn't imagine like rocks would be that difficult. But maybe I don't know. Maybe there is like a depth aspect to it. Well, yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah. Either way, Corby's not there, and Kirk uh, calls Spock to have him beam down two security guys, you know, just to be safe. And then when he gets done, he's like Kirk out and just hangs up on him. Like, what the hell is with uh, Kirk and just hanging up on people on his communicator? He doesn't give anybody a chance to say anything, like add anything extra. He's just like, like, do this thing. okay, bye. (laughs) Like click. Yeah, every single time. It's absolutely ridiculous.
1: That's a thing, though. Yeah, it's just. I, I'm glad you're keeping, you know, the, at least the consistency of him just hanging up on people.
0: Yeah, if he ever is just suddenly like super cordial and, you know, doesn't just hang up on people, I'm going to be like, that's a fake Kirk. Like, that can't be him. They must have replaced don't him with him. Clone. Yeah. You think they would find that weird? You think if he's like, okay, Spock, you know, send me a couple of security guys. And uh, if you don't have anything else, then uh, we can go ahead and hang up now. And Kirk's like, or Spock's like, what is this?
1: Like, who who is this guy? I- I feel like Spock wouldn't uh, realize that. Like, uh, who is this guy?
0: Yeah. So they do beam in uh, two security guys. And uh, Kirk orders uh, one of them, who is Rayburn, to stay where they beamed in and, you know, just kind of watch out for stuff. And tells the other guy, Matthews, that, you know, they're all going to go together to find Corby. So they go and they wander around the cabin for a little bit. Sorry, the cavern. I don't know why I keep saying Cabin. But they wander around the cavern for a little bit looking for Corby and and Christine almost falls down this huge hole, but Kirk saves her. And then you can hear like this rock falling down the hole and it falls for a really, really long time, but we never actually hear it hit the ground. So suddenly uh, there's a, a bright light that shines on them and a guy steps in front of it. And, you know, Kirk and Matthews draw their phasers and Christine's like, oh, you know, that's Corby's assistant, Dr. Brown. So she runs up to him and, you know, asks where uh, Corby is. And suddenly Matthews just starts screaming and they all turn around to see that he has fallen down the hole.
1: And what a shame because there's only three days until he was going to retire. Yep,
0: every time, too. And also he was on screen for
1: all of like 45 seconds. So Right. I also kind of felt bad because he looked like an older guy. Like, you know, he had some gray hairs going on. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, man, you're going to have to die for us.
0: Yep, they didn't sacrifice the young kid this time. It's, uh, you know, the guy that has already done a lot in his life.
1: Those dang caverns will get you.
0: Yeah, you got to watch for those holes. But Kirk asks uh, Dr. Brown if there's a path down there where, you know, maybe they go down and help him. And Dr. Brown's like, nope, that hole is bottomless. Uh, so there's absolutely no hope for him. And that brings us to 18 dead. So, it's been a couple of episodes, I think, since we lost somebody. So, we're up to 18 now. But also, like, obviously, you know, the hole isn't literally bottomless. Like, it has to end somewhere, right? It's just, like, super deep. Uh, But if... Okay, I know we just had this discussion about beaming through rock and all that. But if the Enterprise can do that, and if he's falling for a long time, do you think that they could lock onto him and beam him up while he was falling?
1: I was wondering that, too, during the episode. I, I feel like... They would kind of have the, the model, no man left behind. Yeah.
0: And didn't we see, I don't know if you saw the more recent, um, like the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies, which are like a, a precursor to this, but didn't we see some stuff kind of similar to that in those, like people getting beamed while they were moving? But like, I know that, you know, that kind of retcon stuff um, can sometimes ruin things like this. And it's it's one of the reasons why I hesitate to, you know, reference that because... You know, maybe they didn't think of that until they shot those movies. But I don't know. I just thought that, you know,
1: it could have been a possibility at least. It's been a while since I've seen uh, the newer Star Trek movies. I can't honestly remember if they were able to do that or not.
0: Yeah. Um, So shortly after this, the camera cuts to a super tall, bald guy just kind of lurking around behind him. And then he watches, you know, for a second and he, he just leaves through a doorway Um, but Brown says that, you know, what happened to Matthews is terribly unfortunate and he's like super unconcerned about it. He's like, oh, you know, that's, that's terribly unfortunate. And he says it it happens. Yeah. He's yeah. That's, you know, it's a daily occurrence. They have one of those signs. that's like days since someone fell in the hole and it's always at zero. Like every time they flip it to one, like they have to, somebody falls in the hole. They got to go back and
1: flip it back to zero. (laughs) like we we don't have time to put railing up to make sure people don't fall over the ledge. Yeah.
0: You know what? That's going to be uh I think that's going to be the Twitter uh announcement picture for this episode. <laughs> that sign.
1: <laughs> you know, it's funny they they had time to install a giant light. Yeah. But not time to put some kind of safeguard railing so you wouldn't fall over.
0: Right. And even if it's just like 3 or 4 people in there, you know, if you can do it I mean, with a hole like that and the amount of traveling they're going to do through this uh, tunnel system, I'm absolutely like putting something there, like a box, something, I don't, just anything, really.
1: Yeah, anything would be better
0: than nothing. Yeah. Uh, Christine asks if Brown uh, recognizes her and he says, you know, oh, you know, you look well. And he introduces him uh, himself to Kirk and he tells him to follow him to Corby, who's waiting. And then he just kind of walks away. He takes, like, three or four steps away, and he's definitely within earshot, and Kirk asked Christine if she knows him that well, and she's like, well, you know, he's been living down here for five years, so, you know, he might have changed a little bit, but, like, Kirk doesn't
1: even... Which is kind of a fair point on her behalf.
0: Yeah, it is, but I feel like if you're going to question this guy, you should maybe wait until he's not within earshot, or at the very least, like, whisper, because he's just standing, like, right there. Like, he's seriously just a couple of steps away, and Kirk's like, hey, you know, you trust this guy?
1: Well, Kirk is pretty badass. He's like, well, if he gets mad, what are he going to do about it? Yeah, like, I'll just chuck him down this hole. Screw it. Hey, find my friend down there while you're at it.
0: Yeah, can you send that guy up? Uh, but Kirk calls Rayburn and uh, tells him about Matthews, and he's, like, super nonchalant. He's like, hey, Matthews is gone. And uh,
1: I mean, as many people that die under him, he's probably used to making that call at that point.
0: Yeah, nobody's surprised anymore, and he doesn't even really seem to all too surprised about it. Like, he always later is like oh you know my, my crewman's dead but like in the moment he's just like hey eh, you know he's dead we can always get another one but uh rayburn says that you know everything's all quiet where he is and kirk tells him you know hey call the enterprise have a security party ready you know we're going to report in at hourly intervals and if we lose contact or you know we can't get a hold of each other you know have uh them beam that security party down immediately but as they're having that conversation, the super large guy is sneaking up behind Rayburn. And uh, as soon as their conversation's over, he just, he kills him. Like, he, you don't really see him kill him. He just kind of grabs him and, like, throws him down. But, yeah, he's dead. So we're we're at 19 dead already.
1: And I will say I like the design of the guy that killed the crew member because he's, he's a big dude. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's huge. Um,
0: Actually... When I was watching this, like when I first saw him, I was like, man, this guy, uh, he seems kind of familiar, but I'm like, oh, you know, I haven't really seen too much from that era. So, you know, maybe he just kind of looks like somebody recently. But uh, I looked it up and uh, he's actually played by a guy called uh, a guy named uh, Ted Cassidy, who is or was six foot nine. And he was the guy that was famous for playing Lurch in the Adams Family show from the 60s.
1: Oh really? Yeah,
0: so he was playing, he was doing this like right after I don't know how long the Adams family ran or if it was still running at this time, but yeah, he was uh he was lurch. Oh, I can totally see that now. Uh but Brown uh explains to Kirk and Christine that, you know, as the sun in the system was dimming, the people on the planet moved underground, and he says that the people moved into the caverns and, you know, they replaced their freedoms with the uh, mechanistic culture and that corby has uncovered elements of the culture that would revolutionize the universe when you know if they can get that technology out of the caverns so as he's talking they enter uh, like a fully furnished kind of center room and then uh, a woman comes to the door and introduces herself as Andrea and Christine is just like not about it she's she looks at this chick like oh that's what's going on down here like you got this this pretty young girl just hanging out like very uh very underdressed for their research very, in the yeah cameras. very
1: underdressed and very attractive yeah she's a very attractive woman uh better looking than most of the crew members up on the ship actually yeah and, and not, uh, not bad for living under the ground
0: and i'm and I'm not even saying that like anyone on the crew is like outright ugly she's like this andrea just was just a very attractive woman
1: oh absolutely
0: but uh kirk's not about all that and he asks corby or he asks where corby is and as soon as he asks you know the guy comes out from another room And he sees Christine and, you know, they have this, you know, hug and kiss reunion and uh, he introduces himself to Kirk and uh, Brown tells Corby, he's like, hey, you know, they lost the guy. He fell down the hole and uh, Corby seems pretty apologetic about it. He's like, well, you know, that sucks. Like, that's super unfortunate. Like, bummer, bummer, man. Yeah. He's not just like, oh, you know, too bad. So sad. So uh, (laughs) at that point, Kirk tries to call Rayburn to, you know, tell him that they made contact with Corby, but he doesn't get an answer. And Corby asks Kirk to, you know, wait on calling anybody because he wants to talk to him about something. But Kirk says, you know, hey, I lost contact with my guard, so I have to get a hold of the ship. And it's funny because it, this has been a theme in this show that when he called Rayburn, he gave him like a half a second to answer. And then he's like, oh, he's not there. He's like, hey, Rayburn. OK, he's not there. Like they never give anybody a chance
1: to answer anything. That is true. They expect you to be on top of it right away.
0: Yeah. And like every time they're on the ship and Uhura calls somebody, you know, she'll page them over the intercom thing. And if they don't answer in like two
1: and a half seconds, she pages them again. It's it's kind of funny that you say that because, you know, just say for instance, you know, Kirk is using the restroom. What is he supposed to do? Get off the toilet right away and run to the intercom? Right. And if,
0: you know, if he doesn't, then she, he's going to have to hear that for, you know, however long it takes, like every five, probably less than five seconds, you know, until he's done. He's like, dang
1: woman, give me a minute. Yeah.
0: But uh, Brown pulls a weapon on Kirk and tells him, you know, hey, you're not allowed to make any communications. So Corby, you know, apologizes and, you know, he's like, hey, we're not going to hurt you, which is a weird thing to say to somebody you have a weapon pointed at. And, you know, there are things there that are terribly important. And Kirk interrupts him and talks about, you know, hey, I got dead and missing crew members. And uh, Corby then motions to Andrea and has her go over to take Kirk's phaser. But when she reaches for his phaser, Kirk grabs her arm and like spins her around to use her as a human shield. So he has her and he kind of takes a few steps over towards a table and then he throws her aside and does does this absolutely ridiculous combat roll to get behind the table, which first of all, I don't think that roll was necessary at all. I like, I don't, if he was using it to surprise people, I think that it worked, but it, like any any use beyond that is, is just, it's pointless. But also I feel like, she was a better shield than the table was because the table's still standing. Like he didn't flip the table. He's just hiding behind a table now.
1: Well, he, he wanted to show some courtesy and, you know, not use her as a shield. Like, Oh, well, I'm, I'm not going to use another life to protect mine.
0: Yeah. But I mean, that combat role was just absolutely ridiculous.
1: Oh, absolutely. It, It didn't look good at all.
0: So he then tells Brown to drop his weapon and Brown doesn't, Drop it, so Kirk just shoots him, which is, like, that, that. that's awesome. Kirk does not bluff with his weapons. He's like, look, you know, we're not playing games here. Put that thing down. The dude's like, meh, so he just shoots him. Like, Kirk, Kirk is not messing around.
1: He's like, what would Spock do? Oh, that's right. Kill him.
0: Yeah, he just shot him five minutes ago. Like, it's just, I really enjoy that about this aspect of Kirk, that he's just kind of like, in some instances, he's just no games. Like, he could have... You know, they could have negotiated for five minutes, but instead he's like, put it down. No. Okay, shoots him. Like, it's uh, it's amazing. But uh, the big guy rushes into the room from behind Kirk and picks him up, like, pretty effortlessly and then slams him into the wall and just pins him there. And then they all hear, like, this kind of electricity crackling sound, and they look towards uh, Dr. Brown, who is laying on the ground with a big hole in him from the phaser, and his insides are all just, like, wires and electronics. So he's not a human. And then they go to a commercial.
1: Which I did not see that coming. It was a a nice twist.
0: Yeah, I didn't expect uh, a robot. I thought he was just kind of like weird because he'd been down there for so long with, you know, just a few other people. But, uh, yeah, you, you feel like
1: if you were underground for five years, you'd probably go a little crazy.
0: Yeah, and this is, again, one of those things where. I feel like not reading the episode description is what helps to maintain the surprise and stuff like that. And that's kind of specifically the reason that I'm not reading those descriptions is like, I, I want that, you know, genuine surprise of that. Right. But they do come back from the commercial and they're on the enterprise and uh, Kirk calls to report contact with Dr. Corby saying that they will return the, to the ship within 48 hours. And then the camera cuts to the cavern uh, where the big guy has Kirk's communicator communicator, and he's able to like perfectly mimic uh, Kirk's voice. So it wasn't really Kirk saying that. It was uh, this other guy, which is, it's safe to assume at this point that he is also
1: an android. Which at that point, I was wondering, do the people that built him, is that what they look like?
0: Right. Yeah. Like, why is he the only uh, super huge guy? But uh, Spock asks, uh, you know, Kirk and you know, parenthesis or quotation marks, if he's okay. And he's like, hey, you sound kind of tired. And then uh, Corby, you know, tells the real Kirk, like, hey, you know, don't move, don't cry out, you know, don't mess this thing up. And uh, the big guy who, you know, I'm I'm going to send this dude to injure you. And the big guy's name is uh, Ruck, he says. He's like, yeah, you know, if you try to do anything, I'm going to have Ruck mess you up real good. So he asks uh, Kirk to wait, you know, don't do anything until we've had a, a chance to talk, which – I really hate this trope of, like, you know, I really got to tell you this super important thing. Like, just just get it out. Like, don't don't spend the next 15 minutes saying you have something important to say. Just say the important thing.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, don't dance around with all the foreplay. Just get to the main course.
0: Yeah. Like, 99% of the time, if you just come out with the thing, you can save yourself a ton of trouble. And, like, I get that, you know, it would make for a very short episode, but... I mean, in this case, I don't think it would. But, you know, most of the time it would really just save you the unnecessary trouble of whatever the hell's about to happen if you just say the thing.
1: Also, being in the position of Kirk, you're just like, dude, just tell me. Like, right. what are you doing?
0: Yeah, like quit telling me you have something important to say and just say the thing.
1: Because I, I think Kirk understands that you believe this is very important. And I'm sure Kirk is willing to hear you out right why just not come out and say it
0: yeah and that's the other thing is like they could have avoided this whole you know gun hostage thing if he just said the damn thing from the beginning like even on the when he contacted on the on the ship he could have been like hey you know can we maybe move this to a private conversation and then you know i'll tell you this thing but instead he's like hey come down here i got something super important to tell you like just say it like just get it out there and then you can have your right. discussion you know after that
1: I right, i think that's a i think that's a fair point
0: but uh Ruck continues to imitate Kirk when he responds to Spock. He says, "You know, hey, I'm fine. Uh Dr. Corby made some fascinating discoveries down here." And uh then he mimics Kirk in, you know, flawlessly and just hangs up on Spock and doesn't give him a chance to uh respond. So, at least he got that part down,
1: too. Spock was you know, Spock was a little suspicious at that point, but when he got hung up on, he's like, "No." Nope. Yeah, he's like, "That's that's, that's my
0: guy." Yep. <laughs> So uh, Corby tells Kirk that uh, there's, you know, a lot you have to learn before making a final judgment on what's going on here, which again, just spit it out. And he says, uh, Andrea to Ruck. He's like, hey, he just points at him. He's like, Andrea. And so Ruck starts to imitate Andrea's voice. But then he switches and does the same for Corby. And then he switches his voice to sound like Christine. But Corby gets super mad at him. And he's like, you know, hey, don't you ever imitate her. And don't you harm her. And so... Kirk is like, well, how about you also tell him to, you know, never disobey an order from her? And Corby's like, all right, you know, as a show of trust, you know, I'll I'll give him that order, and he does.
1: Which that's some well played maneuvering for Kirk.
0: Yeah, like it it really uh it really just sets him up to be in like a good position if everything goes like super south. Not that, you know, being a, a hostage to uh a guy with a bunch of robots, you know, is a good thing, but if it gets worse, then yeah, he set himself up really well.
1: Forty chess right there.
0: Yeah, don't they have, the? was there 3D chess or 4D in there? Uh, I think it's,
1: I don't know. We'll have to look it, that it, up. I think I think they were playing 4D chess in the, one of the very first episodes. Yeah,
0: with Charlie, yep. So, uh, Corby uh, asks Kirk to give him 24 hours to change his mind. And Kirk is like, you know, do I need to be a prisoner for this thing? And Corby's like, well, you know, the first thing you're going to do if I let you go is go back to your ship and then you're going to issue a report. And that's how we lose a lot of things like discoveries and all that, which is a bit's a fair point. He's not wrong. Yeah, absolutely. So Kirk, he's like, hey, you know, are my crewmen really dead? And Corby's like, yeah, uh, you know, Ruck is programmed to protect, you know, my experiments. So he had to destroy them, you know, against my wishes. I didn't want that kind of thing to happen, but he had to. And I like that he used the word destroy instead of kill. He's like, yeah, like for some reason that sounds like it's worse than he killed them. He's like, no, he utterly annihilated them. Like just absolutely ripped them to pieces. Like you should have been there. <laughs> They're beyond dead. Yeah, like, boy, boy, like you want to see dead. Uh, so Kirk asks if Ruck is an android. And Ruck's like, oh, you know, I am, but I'm way more complex than than Brown was, and that I was left there by the old ones, and that's capital O on both of those. So Corby explains that Ruck has been there for centuries and that, you know, they use the records that were there in the ruins to uh, build Dr. Brown. So Kirk says that he's like, hey, you know, you've convinced me. You've convinced me that you're dangerous, and he tries to make an escape, but Ruck uh, grabs him. And, like, picks him up above his head and then just, like, chucks him onto the floor, like, across the room.
1: I was going to say, it was a very poor power bomb.
0: Yeah. Just, yeah. He's, he's not working safe. He's not protecting the other guy. So, elsewhere, Andrea is talking with Christine and uh, asking why she's unhappy since, you know, she's with uh, Roger Corby again. And Christine is like, well, you know, hey, where's Kirk? And Andrea's like, well, why don't you uh, like it when I use the name Roger? So uh, Corby enters the room at that time with Ruck and Ruck's still holding Kirk. And Corby's like, hey, you know, if she doesn't like it when you call me Roger, just call me Dr. Corby from now on. And he says that uh, again, he's like, hey, you know, I need some time to explain things to Kirk and to uh, you, Christine. And I'm going to start with Andrea. So he reveals that uh, Andrea is an android like like Dr. Brown. And at this point, it's just kind of like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> like, that's That's kind of
1: obvious, you know? At this point, I'm like, Oh, this Android 18 with black hair. Yeah, could be.
0: Well, we'd have to wait and see her fighting skills, see if she breaks anybody's arm or anything or falls in love with like a really short guy. (laughs) So like Christine is obviously uh, jealous of Andrea and Corby tries to convince uh, convince her, you know, that Andrea is just a machine. And he's like, you know, do you think I could love a machine? And Christine's like, well, did you? (laughs) Which is a great question, but Corby's like, you know, she's no, she's not capable of that. And she's just a a machine and I have no emotional bond to her. And uh, then he orders Andrea to kiss Kirk and she does. And then he orders Andrea to strike Captain Kirk, and she slaps him real hard in the face. And he seems into it. Kirk is like, "Oh, a little, little kiss, a little slap. Like this is kind of exactly my he, thing here."
1: He does. On top of that, he's being held hostage, so you know you're going yeah. through a whole range of emotions at this point. Oh,
0: he's he's loving every second. Like he was not cool with being a hostage, but you throw a little kiss and a little slap in there, and suddenly it changes
1: everything. <laughs> like this isn't so bad.
0: Yeah, I like how though instantly. uh uh, Christine is like, hey, like, you fucking that thing? And he's like, what? No, like, we I didn't build it to <laughs> no, do never. that. Yeah, he's like, you know, her skin's exactly the same as a human. She's basically, you know, completely human, but I'm not having sex with
1: this robot. Like, it's not a sex robot, which, I mean... He's like, this robot has no feelings, so how can I love it? That's yeah. not what you're really asking. Yeah,
0: but like, you know, uh, a Roomba is not a sex robot unless you have sex with it, so... You know, I guess all he has to do I mean, is that's try. That's true.
1: <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I'm sure it was in those five years that would have crossed his mind.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, you know what? He probably did, like, he probably built one every time he was in the mood. And then when he was done, he was, like, so ashamed that he just destroyed it.
1: <laughs> he pushed it down the hall. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god.
0: No, Can you imagine? That,
1: that, that poor crew member probably yeah. landed on a body of yeah broken That's what I was androids. just gonna say.
0: Fuck. Matthews just falls down that hole and lands on this huge potty of like just disgustingly dirty used androids. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, what the he's he's down there like, Jesus Christ, I wish I had just died when I hit this. die Oh god. No, I'm you know it for his sake. I'm keeping uh, I'm keeping him on the, the dead tally. He doesn't deserve that. Oh, fate. for
1: sure. Well, if not, you'd probably wish that you were dead. Like, what is going on down here?
0: Yeah. Yep. Uh, so Kirk is like, look, there's a lot going on here that I don't understand. And Corby is again, you know, he's like, I'll answer all your questions, but with the twist, I'll do it right now. And I was like, thank God. Um so Ruck is uh like they 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 go to another scene and Ruck is putting some kind of like wrapped like body onto a table that also has a naked Kirk strapped to the other side of it. It's like a big circular table with like a divider in the middle. And Corby explains to Christine that this is how to make an Android. Uh, Oddly enough, you start with a body pillow. So you can't tell me he's not sleeping with those things.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Which brings me to the point, where did he uh, find the female to make an Android of her?
0: Yeah, see, I don't know because they said that he had a crew of people that survived, so I'm assuming that maybe like these are the, just people that were part of his crew that were like dead or about to die, and he just you know put them in an android body.
1: Oh, that could. I didn't think about that. I, I think you're right.
0: Yeah. So he tells Andrea to go start the machine, and you know the table starts turning and everything, and then it goes to a commercial. And when it comes back, the table is still spinning with naked Kirk and the the body pillow attached while Christine questions what happened to Corby to make him the way that he is. And then, like, the table just kind of spins faster and faster until suddenly there are two naked Kirks on both sides, of, or, you know, one on each side, not two on each side. That would be four Kirks. Um, so Andrea and Ruck both stop the machine, and Corby asks Christine, you know, which which one's the real one? And she's like, oh, my gosh, they're, you know, they're exactly alike. I can't tell you which one is which. Uh, So Corby explains that, you know, the Android has synthetic organs and they're on the right places and that they've duplicated the auto uh, autonomic rhythms of Kirk's body. So while at the same time, you know, they duplicated his mental patterns. So like if, uh, if Kirk had like, you know, like cancer or something or like a blood disease or something, would that have duplicated as well? Because obviously it's not living tissue in there, but if he, if he had like some kind of, um, you know, just something wrong with him, like physically, Obviously, it's just a machine, but would that have copied over? Like, maybe not, it you know, like be a disease. It his but,
1: memory bank, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, at least not like a disease, but if he had, I don't know, just like a messed up back. Like, he
1: slipped a disc. Like, is the robot going to get that, too? I think it should, personally, if you're going to make a true clone.
0: Yeah, but I feel like in that, um, in that situation, if you're going to go through all the trouble, you might as well, like, correct stuff. But, I mean, some of those things you probably don't have to. Yeah, it's kind of a dumb question, actually.
1: Well, I mean... Maybe since it was just done so fast, you wouldn't even known. Like you would just transfer everything over, yeah. Not looking to you know weed out like oh if you had cancer, like oh hey you have you know pelvic cancer, so we're just gonna remove that,
0: right? Um, so he goes to the uh, Corby, goes to the machine to make the mental pattern stuff, and you know he's like, you know the machine is going to be so perfect that you know it could even replace uh, Captain Kirk himself. So Kirk is just laying there, and he heals, uh, hears all of this, and he starts uh, repeating to himself, like out loud, but you know, not super loud. He says, uh, mind your own business, Mr. Spock. I'm sick of your half-breed interference. Do you hear? Which uh, I was like, I was instantly, I'm like, that's actually, like, that's how he's going to use the, uh, that's, that's how he's going to make Spock know that the other one's a fake.
1: Which, once again, great great thinking on your feet to know that hey you're in a bad situation yeah and you're gonna trust your crewmate spock to realize that there's something wrong
0: right yeah like just um, yeah because he would never say that to spock uh but my other issue oh
1: absolutely that spock should instantly know hey uh something's wrong here
0: yeah but the other thing is uh, at first i'm like you know maybe you know that's what he's gonna do with it but then i also thought maybe uh Kirk is just super racist, and since he knows he's screwed here and he's about to get replaced, he wants to make sure that the robot is also a racist.
1: (laughs) He's like, look. And he wants Spock to know how he really feels about him.
0: He's like, look, if this robot's going to take my place, because this is looking bad and I'm not getting out of this, but if it's going to take my place, then I want Spock to know that I hate him and that I am super racist.
1: (laughs) Well, the, the untold story of that is, Kirk... Gets upset every time Spock beats him in chess. So,
0: so he's like, fuck that dude.
1: <laughs> I'm not used to losing.
0: So uh, Corby is still at the machine and he, uh, you know, starts turning dials and stuff and Kirk starts to get shocked. And then the uh, android Kirk comes to life and uh, regular Kirk seems like he, you know, suffered no harm or anything during that process. And then the table rotates and android Kirk gets out to greet Nurse Chapel uh, a little bit later. Andrea is serving lunch to Christine and she's like, "Hey, you know, I've been ordered to uh, you know, to take care of you now. And did you look at the food that they were eating?
1: It kind of looks like
0: fruit. You remember we had them damn uh green circles in Mud's Women, <laughs> like the just green round things because there's more of those on this plate.
1: Must be the future uh, must be the food of the future. Yeah,
0: like future food is it looks terrible. It's literally just, like, shapes that are colored. They Like, they got some rounds in there. They got some, like, uh, some cylinders. I'm pretty sure there's, like, maybe a square. Like, maybe he's got, like, a yellow square. Like, what do you want for dinner tonight? Like Well, let's have yellow squares. Like, no, we had yellow squares last night. Well, let's go with the uh, green <laughs> rounds tonight,
1: then. Well, I don't think we've seen any meat yet be, uh, as they're eating. At least I don't remember. It's all been kind of weird-looking food.
0: Yeah, I don't remember what uh, Joe from uh, the guy that screwed everything up in The Naked Time, I don't remember what he was eating when he had his knife. But I don't remember thinking that it was anything weird, but also nothing that's, like, normal. So I, I, I definitely don't think he was eating, you know, yellow squares and, and green circles.
1: No, it, l- it looked more generic than that, if I remember right. Yeah,
0: like, who's eat- he gets prison food on the ship. It looked
1: like prison food, like yeah. slop, like you just, like...
0: Um, so Kirk uh, enters the room and he sits at the table with Christine and they, they kind of talk about the situation and how Christine is worried about, you know, Corby and what he's doing. And, uh, he asks her, you know, Hey, if I give you a direct order to betray Corby, you know, you're going to do it. And she's like, you know, I just don't ask me to do that. And she pushes her food away and she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to eat. You go ahead and eat. And Kirk replies, well, androids don't eat. And it's like one of those dun, dun, dun kind of things. So then, uh, Corby and Ruck and the real Kirk enter the room as Corby explains that the Android even has Kirk's um, sense of humor, which is weird because it wasn't really a a joke. Well, maybe that is the joke is that Kirk has no sense of humor. He doesn't joke. Yep. I'll be damned. Uh, So Kirk says that he's like, hey, you know, there's one difference between that Android and I. And it's that, uh, you know, I'm hungry. And Android Kirk is like, well, that difference is your weakness, not mine. Which I mean. To be cool to not be hungry, but also at the same time I would miss food so
1: well, I think Kirk laid out what's kind of great about being a human of the joys you know of eating the satisfaction uh i I thought he made some good counterpoints of you know, yeah why it's good to be a human
0: right uh so real Kirk decides to test the Android's memory to see you know if it has all of his memories and things, and he asks about his brother Sam. And the uh, android, you know, answers all the questions and and tells Kirk all about Sam. So uh, Kirk is like, well, you know, me and the android, we have some interesting differences. And Corby's like, well, those are unimportant. You don't get to say what the interesting differences are. It's just like, that doesn't matter. Uh, And Corby explains that by continuing the process, you know, he could transfer their consciousness into androids. uh, Pretty much granting them immortality. And Kirk is like, you know, hey. You know, that's kind of like the promises of Genghis Khan and Julius Caesar and Hitler and Ferris and uh, Maltuvis. And obviously I know who like Genghis Khan and Julius Caesar and Hitler are, but Ferris and Maltuvis were not something I was familiar of. So I did a quick uh, research in case there was some kind of like dictator that, you know, in history that I didn't know about. And those two are actually just in-universe historical dictators that they made up for the show, which is really cool that they're, you know, they fleshed that stuff out, but it also shows that you know, that kind of thing still happens, which is super interesting.
1: Oh, see, I, I was wondering who the last two people were also.
0: Yeah. So, like, it's it's crazy that, I mean, I don't know how long between, you know, now and the future, like, now and then, I don't know how much time has passed between now and, like, when this is supposed to have happened, but, like, yeah, obviously they got, you know, at least two more, like, brutal, I assume, uh, dictators that happened at that time. So that's just an interesting little tidbit that they threw in, which I, I really appreciate. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's good world building saying that, hey, when you know, stuff has happened still between, you know, what we know at at the point, you know, when the show was made until what they're trying to set up in the future.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh Corby argues that a human uh programmed into an Android could eliminate, you know, jealousy and greed and hate. And Kirk is like, well, you know, you could also eliminate love and tenderness and and sentiment. And Corby you know, replies that they they could basically stop you from dying, and there would be no diseases or deformities, and you they could even get rid of fear. And uh, Kirk, he's like, you know, we could replace fear with joy. And uh, he explains that you know he needs Kirk's help to get to a colony to get raw materials. And Kirk was like, oh, you know, I thought you just needed my approval, but not my help. But while he's uh, you know having this conversation, Kirk reaches down uh, to the back of his chair. Because like, the chair is held together, like the legs are held together with a rope. So he starts kind of like undoing this rope. So uh, as Corby, you know, explains his plans, like the typical bad guy, uh, Kirk continues to work on untying the rope. And like Andrea and Ruck are standing right behind him and they don't see that happening, or at least they don't say anything. Like they're literally standing right behind him, yeah. just like looking at him.
1: Yeah, I felt like they should have been able to catch that since they are androids and they should be pretty advanced with with their eyesight?
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, just the fact that they can see, like, they would have seen that happening. But uh, they did not. And Kirk finishes untying his rope. And he asks why, you know, Corby needs him if he's created his own Kirk. And Corby's like, well, you know, I, I really created him to impress you, not so much to replace you. And so Kirk says, he's like, you know, hey, I am impressed, but not the way that you think. And then he lunges at him and wraps that rope around Corby's neck. And he has his uh, second human shield of the episode. So it's like, damn, we got two deaths and two human shields. Like, this, kind of a lot of action going on for this one. Um, So Kirk uh, then takes Corby and kind of backs toward the door. And when he gets there, uh, the door opens and he pushes Corby forward and takes off running. And Corby sends uh, Ruck to go after him. And then Christine chases after both of them. And she tries to order uh, Ruck to stop, but he's not listening at all. So Kirk, like, runs to the cavern and he goes around you know, this corner because they have like doorways in the cavern because they're in, you know, ancient ruins or whatever, like ancient underground ruins. So he goes through this, uh, you know, kind of doorway and he finds a stalactite on the ceiling and he grabs that and breaks it off to try to ambush Ruck. And uh, that I, I've, I've actually recognized because, uh, you know, as I'm promoting the podcast and everything, I, I'm spending, you know, a little more time on things like Twitter and there is a Twitter account called Captain Kirk's Dildo. And it uses that screenshot of him holding <laughs> that that stalactite because like it's a very penis-y looking stalactite.
1: That's what I thought when he grabbed it off. I'm like, oh, that looks like a dick.
0: Yeah. And then, uh, there, yeah, that bot, uh, it's a bot on Twitter that basically um like retweets uh I'm gonna guess stuff that meets its criteria. So like basically anything Star Trek related or like if you even stay say Star Trek in there like it's going to retweet it but i was like when i first saw that as his that bot's profile picture i was like man that uh like they had to have edited that image but then when he ripped that thing off the ceiling i was like holy shit that does look a lot like a penis
1: you know also how hard would it be to rip off a stalactite
0: oh for sure um i mean that one was uh you know, styrofoam, <laughs> so so probably a little easier.
1: Yeah, well, right. I just meant in like real life, would it even be right? Yeah, would it be possible? I guess. You know, I I
0: don't know. So maybe not one that big. I would think. Again, you know, I don't know for sure. So I'm just speculating, but I would think that maybe like something that thick would be like really, really attached. But also, we could just use the excuse that it's kind of an alien planet, so it's probably not made up of the same type of rock that we would find on Earth. So, like, maybe it's a little more brittle, and he could just snap it off there. Or maybe, like, he's just super strong and is just now showing it.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure how fragile, you know, stalactites are. So, yeah, um, maybe it is in the realm of possibility that Kurt could have ripped it off. We
0: we went to uh, some caverns last year, and... There was, like, a lot of, like, really tight, like, claustrophobic areas, but a lot of stalactites and stalactmites. And, uh, you know, you're not allowed to touch anything like that, so obviously I didn't touch any of them. But from what I saw, like, I don't think that there was one in that cave that I could, you know, rip off the ceiling or break off of the floor. So, I don't know. Maybe he is just really strong. But, uh, so Ruck's chasing him, and he imitates Christine's voice to try to draw out Kirk, and Kirk responds... Um, I think they don't really tell you, but it looked like, you know, he had that kind of look like, yeah, I know that this is a trick, so I'm just going to, you know, trick him and draw him in. So, uh, Ruck approaches the doorway where Kirk is hiding and Kirk, you know, pops out and swings the stalactite penis at him and Ruck uh, catches it and pushes Kirk down the endless hole, but Kirk manages to hold onto the ledge. So they... Go to the commercial and come back, and and Ruck is, you know, just kind of standing up the top of the ledge looking at Kirk. And I was like, is he about to, like, stomp his hand? Like, I don't understand how Kirk is going to get out of this because, like, Ruck
1: has the high ground,
0: right? And
1: Right. Well, he had that look. Yeah. You know, if he dies, he dies. Yeah,
0: and I I don't think – You know, we're only a few episodes in, but I don't think that Kirk has the force and I'm pretty sure he doesn't have a lightsaber. So it's not going to be like an Obi-Wan Darth Maul thing where he like flips up over him and, you know, cuts Ruck in half. Plus, I don't know if even Obi-Wan could do that because, you know, Ruck is is very tall compared to Obi-Wan. But, uh,
1: well, that would have been pretty cool to see Kirk do a flip over him and even do like a drop kick and just kick him over the, the ledge. Like a
0: drop kick or like a Hurricane Rana to just toss him down there.
1: I mean, that would have been a pretty cool way to take him out.
0: Yeah, I thought for sure Ruck was going off of this ledge. But uh, he just reaches down and pulls Kirk back up. And then they cut to the Enterprise where uh, obviously Android Kirk is in a corridor and he walks past Spock who gets up and follows him into uh, Kirk's room. And he says that, you know, Corby, Kirk, you know, Android Kirk says that Corby has a lot of cargo to beam aboard and they got to you know go over their destination schedule with him. And Spock asks if uh, Kirk's going to go back down to you know, the planet with the command packet that he has in his hand, which I'm going to guess is like, you know, super important captain documents, like probably you know where they're going and all that. Uh, and Android Kirk snaps and he tells Spock to mind his own business and says, you know, hey, I'm sick of your half-breed interference. Do you hear? And Spock is like, yeah, all right, very well. And, and then Kirk is like, did, did you see
1: the little smirk on his face though after he said that?
0: Yeah. Yeah, like, they, like the android believed that it was... uh you know just like part of their their playful banter he's like yeah totally fooled that guy <laughs> but then he's like wait a minute spock you look upset like are you okay and spock's like oh yeah no problems here uh and then you know kirk we're good like, even though you just used a racial slur against yeah, me like no it, you know that's that's just how we are you know you call me a half breed and that's that's pretty much it <laughs> but uh android kirk lee or yeah android kirk leaves uh and goes back to beam down to the planet with corby and Spock immediately calls security, and he's like, "Hey, you know, meet me in the transport room after uh, Kirk beams down because we got some stuff going on."
1: You know, I, I do appreciate that when they wrote the show, they they didn't make a lot of the characters dumb. Like they catch on fast. They they realize, you know, Spock realized something was wrong right away. Yeah, uh, that's one you know, of the things I you know, enjoyed. Fifteen the whole time. more minutes of what's that?
0: No, I was just saying that's one of the things I really enjoyed. Like since the beginning, is that yeah, you're absolutely right. Like none of them are like incompetent or stupid.
1: What you would want that on a spaceship, you'd want the best of the best because you're out in the middle, literally middle of the no nowhere in the universe.
0: Right. Yeah. It's yeah, like you said, just every character so far, they they have their dumb moments, but they're not. You know, there's there's never that one that's just like doesn't pick up what everybody else is putting down, you know.
1: It, it wasn't 20 minutes of android Kirk uh being a douche on the ship for so you know for Spock to catch on like hey, uh what's going on captain? Like no, he caught on right away and I, I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, and uh to that end I also appreciate the fact that like android Kirk gets on the ship and then does what he is there to do. Like he doesn't spend, you know, the next 2 hours trying to convince everybody like I'm the real Kirk, guys. He's just like, "No, I'm I'm just here to do a thing." And he just goes in and grabs that stuff and insults yeah. Spock and leaves. He's just like real Kirk.
1: Which, you know, which Kirk would probably do, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. he comes in. He's like, Spock, you're a piece of shit. All right, I got to go. And Spock's like, good old Kirk.
1: <laughs> yeah, good old Kirk. But uh, Spock's like, one of these days, I'm going to be in charge. Yeah. Do you think Android Kirk came across that guy you were talking about in the beginning of the episode? Oh,
0: God. <laughs> he looks at him with disgust. He's like, man, look at this. Android looking son of a bitch. (laughs) Kirk looks just like an Android. I hate this guy. He's just over there mean mugging him. God, it's going to be so hard to pick the the Twitter announcement uh, picture for this episode because there's so much potential, like a lot of good stuff in this one. But uh, yeah, Kirk and uh, Corby are going over the command packet and Android Kirk says that the planet uh, Midos 5 is a good choice. And he's like, you know, I did actually feel quite at home on the Enterprise, which I mean he should so elsewhere the real kirk is laying on a bed and andrea enters the room and uh she like bends down to like she touches him to talk to him and uh he grabs her arm and he's like hey you know kiss me she's like all right she does which is a really weird time for this and then she tries to hit him and he catches her and then he grabs her like super tight and kisses her again and then she backs away and she's like hey, hey
1: when the mood strikes you
0: Yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm going to die. Might as well have sex with a robot.
1: Like, I've done everything else in the universe.
0: Yeah, why not? He's like, can we go find that stalactite real quick? (laughs) And uh, so she backs away and she's like, you know, I'm not programmed for you. And she tries to leave, but he grabs her and he's like, hey, you know, are you confused? And she's kind of hesitant, but she's like, no, no, I'm not. And then she just leaves. And he tries to follow her out, but Ruck uh, shows up and pushes him back in. So he starts talking to Rock, and he's like, you know, why do you uh, disapprove of Christine's order to save my life? Like, why didn't you listen? Or you did listen, but, like, why didn't you want to? And he's like, well, you know, maintaining your existence would be illogical. And Kirk's like, oh, shit, got my own, like, little Spock here. Maybe I don't need to go back to the ship.
1: Which I feel like at that point, like, oh, so you're like Spock. I know how to deal with you at this, at this point. I got to walk you through a process.
0: Yeah, I didn't actually consider that, but that's – uh yeah he would have some experience dealing with that cause Spock is kind of like just a logic machine, but uh he asks uh ruck, what happened to the old ones, and you know he asks if it's possible that you know maybe hey did they build their machines too well? you know did they you know have pride and a desire to to survive and the old ones you know maybe found your logic frustrating, and ruck is like, yeah, you know they got fearful of the machines and they tried to turn us off and You know, Kirk asks if Corby is just repeating that. He's like, hey, you know that, you know, whatever happened, you know, you think I could be happening right now. And Ruck's like, well, you know, humans are super inconsistent and, you know, they can't be programmed. So, you know, by that logic, you're inferior. So Kirk then tries to convince him that, you know, Corby is the real issue here. And Ruck's like, no, it's, it's you. Like, I can't harm Corby because, you know, that's who programmed me. So Kirk is like, well, you know, the old ones programmed you too. And it became possible to destroy them. So Ruck like suddenly just remembers, he's like, you know, Hey, that's, you know, that's the, the equation, you know, he, he overcame that, you know, the old ones programming so he can do it here. So he's like, you know, existence has to cancel out, you know, our programming. And he grabs Kirk like underneath his arms and like picks him up like he's a kid. And so Kirk is still, you know, trying to uh, reason with him. And he says, you know, you can't protect somebody that's, you know, trying to destroy you. And then that's when uh, Corby and Christine enter the room. So Ruck just kind of drops Kirk and moves towards Corby. And he's like, hey, you know, you better stop. But he's not stopping. So Corby is also quick to the trigger and pulls a phaser and just like disintegrates
1: Ruck. Vaporizes him. Yeah,
0: he's just just gone. Just nothing left. And he was quick, too. He was He instantly recognized that it was not going well for him. And he just put a stop to it. Which, again, it's nice to see people, even with bad guys, it's nice to see competent people.
1: Right. Well, it probably also says that he's probably done that before, within those five years.
0: Yeah. I I have I wonder how many, like, androids he made that he ran into similar issues or, like, other issues with and he had to destroy. Because he doesn't have, like, a lot of materials. That's that's kind of his whole thing in this. I, he He's a very cunning villain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So he escorts Kirk out of the room and through, like, a little corridor. And then when they go to enter another room, Kirk turns around and attacks him. And Corby, like, fights him off, like, pushes him off. But during the scuffle, uh, Corby's hand gets injured, and it reveals that he is an android as well. And by this point, I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, like, they weren't, you know, they didn't really give it away, but I I was not surprised. I am just like, yeah, he's probably an android. No,
1: uh, actually... Actually, when they were dying earlier in the episode, when they were eating food, or quote-unquote eating food, uh, I started to believe that he was an android just because he seemed like he'd be a fanatic. Yeah. And if you believe so hardcore in your mission or your ideals, why wouldn't you convert yourself to being something what he considered superior?
0: Yeah, that's actually... I didn't think about that. That's a, that's a really good... Uh observation yeah i mean why not so he tries to convince christine he's like hey you know i'm the same guy in here you know my body was dying like my legs were messed up because of the cold and you know he basically had to transfer his consciousness over to the android but he's like well you know i'm even better than i was before at that point an alarm starts buzzing and uh he goes to a comm system on the wall and he tells andrea like hey you know someone's in the outer layer and uh, Ruck's been shut off, so which is a nice way of saying that. But uh, he's like, I need you to go get a weapon and, you know, go protect us. So she grabs a weapon and she leaves the room she was in where she runs into Android Kirk in the hallway. And she's like, hey, you know, I'm going to kiss you. And he says, no, that's illogical. So she shoots him. <laughs> like, Damn, girl. Uh,
1: yeah, a little overreaction on her behalf. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, I'm going to kiss you. No, okay. And then he's just dead. I take it she's never been turned down before. Yeah.
0: But I also, like, I had a random thought during this. So I don't remember which episode it was when we were talking about the different weapons on board the Enterprise. And then we did confirm that they do have uh, phaser rifles, right? Right. So I was curious, like, and I don't know why I thought about this specifically during this scene, because it doesn't pertain to this scene. But, like, you've seen now a phaser like a handheld phaser that completely like dissolved two, i guess people slash machines what the hell does the pulse like does a phaser rifle do is it the same thing but in rifle form like you're not gonna get any stronger
1: than that right unless you could use something like that for if you come across like some type of special armor maybe like the enemy has shields or upgraded tech which would protect them from something like you know a normal phaser
0: okay that's fair yeah that's not something i consider that maybe there is an armor or like a personal shield out there but yeah i was just like dude this thing already just stops you from existing like what more do you need but yeah that's actually a, a fair point god i kind of hope we'd run into something like that but uh corby is trying to convince christine that you know hey again he's like you know hey, i'm the same person and then andrea enters the room and she's like hey uh you know kirk freed himself so i destroyed him like she li- she just literally says destroyed uh but then she notices that you know the real kirk is standing there and she turns to corbin she's like look i i i'm not programmed for alarms like so she just immediately starts making excuses but i also really liked how when she went into the room she seemed like super pleased with herself like you know like when a like cat brings in a mouse like she was almost bragging <laughs> she she's like hey you know Kirk tried to leave, and I, I I messed him up real good.
1: Hey, I, I destroyed someone for you. Yeah. You're happy with me, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> like she's just – she almost had, like, a little smirk. Like, yeah, I messed him up. So Kirk, uh, you know, he compares Corby to his machines – or Corby and his machines to, you know, what he says he dislikes the most about humanity, and that's how they kill without concern. And Corby's like, well, you know, no, I'm not really a machine. I'm just a dude in a machine's body. And, you know, he's like, hey, you know, have me solve any equation. Uh, And I thought we were going to do that whole illogical, you know, unsolvable thing where his head explodes or whatever. But thankfully we didn't get that. I don't know if that was a trope at this time in like the 60s. But as he's talking, he kind of like starts malfunctioning and repeating things and he he can't really get his words out. Uh, But he begs Christine to let him prove that, you know, he's still himself. And, you know, she's convinced at this point that he's not really himself anymore. Um, so Kirk, uh, orders, uh, Corby to hand over his phaser and he refuses, but then he kind of starts rambling, uh, about having constructed a perfect being, but like, he kind of seems like he's lost control and he just hands over the phaser to Kirk. So then Kirk turns to Andrea and he's like, Hey, you know, give me your weapon. She's like, no, uh, I have to protect Corby. So she tries to go and kiss Corby, but he says that, you know, you, he's like you can't love me you know you're not human and so she kisses him anyway and then while she's holding him during their kiss she turns on the phaser and just disintegrates both of them which so let's say um let's say like two people are holding hands and you shoot one with a phaser since they're holding hands do they both just get like destroyed
1: that's how it must work it somehow transfers the energy from you to them if you're connected
0: yeah, like, I don't, I can't imagine, okay, like, maybe their chests were both, like, maybe because, you know, she grabbed him for the kiss and, like, kind of pulled him in, maybe because her chest was touching, she managed to hit both of them at the same time, but, man, like, if that thing's strong enough that it can just make that little bit of contact and you're just completely screwed, like, boy, screw that.
1: Like, I wouldn't want any part of that. Right. Like, like if you get just, like, raised you're uh, done. you would think at the end of the episode, she had free will, right? Um,
0: I don't know that she quite had free will i think she was still because like she you know couldn't hand over her weapon because you know her programming wouldn't let her do that because it was going to put corby in danger so like she was still kind of bound by that but obviously she had a little bit of control over something
1: well did, did she shoot herself or did she shoot
0: him uh both she when she was when they were like kissing and she was you know holding him to her uh she like had the uh Phaser down by her stomach, aiming up, and then just fired and hit them both. I had to go oh, back okay. and watch it a couple times I, to see exactly have how that
1: worked. Watch that part. I thought she uh, shot herself like in the leg.
0: Yeah, I I went back a few times to watch it because I was really confused about how that worked. So I I went through it like three or four times, and I was like, oh yeah, because the phaser was pointed up and it was like you know between their stomachs. But uh, so after they you know disintegrate, and uh, Christine's obviously a little bit upset, but not too upset, oddly enough. She must have accepted a while ago that you know he's just a machine, but um outside, so she
1: was pretty mad uh, as soon as she saw, um, uh, what Andrea? Yeah, like she 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 got salty right away when she saw her. Yeah, as
0: soon as she saw, she's like, I don't care if he dies, <laughs> like whatever, push him down the damn hole myself.
1: Like, oh, this is what you've been doing the last five years, huh? Yeah.
0: But uh, from outside the door, uh, Spock calls for Kirk. And he comes rushing into the room with the security team asking if they're okay. And, you know, he's like, where's Dr. Corby? And Kirk's like, oh, you know, Corby was never, you know, he was never here. Which is kind of one of my issues with him is that at the end, you know, whenever anybody does anything nefarious or like, you know, they turn from good guy to bad guy, he always tries to like save face for them, like have them be remembered as a good guy. Like, not nah, screw that. Put that in your report. Like he was alive, put himself in a robot, turned into an asshole, died. Like, You don't have to preserve their legacy. Maybe he's just avoiding paperwork. Yeah, there you go. He just doesn't want to do... He's like, I can make my report a lot shorter than this. I mean, they would never know. Yeah. I, I, I imagine they could do a lot of stuff that uh, the Federation never knows about. Probably most of this shit. Like, all of this happens and they get back to port and they're like, man, how was it? And they're like, Psh, boring. Nothing ever happened.
1: Honestly, at this point, I feel the only... Well, not the only reason why Spock's with them, but I feel like Spock is on with them to make sure they do what they're supposed to do. Like, I feel like Spock would be like, all right, the higher ups, they need to know. I'm going to tell them because that's a logical thing to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess even if it's not like officially his job, he probably would uh, do that anyway. He's kind of like a babysitter almost. He's just, yeah, I-, I don't want
1: to say like he would intentionally narc him out, but his mind press is process of being a logical thinker would say like obey uh, the command level. So if Someone higher up than, you know, Kirk and tells him to do something. He's probably going to do it. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I can imagine that. But uh, back on the Enterprise, uh, Christine is having a discussion with Kirk and she decides that she's going to stay, you know, with the ship. And so Kirk and Spock or Kirk asks Spock if uh, something's bothering him. And Spock's like, well, you know, that was I was rather dismayed at the use of the term half breed. And, you know, Kirk kind of gives this, you know, half smile and he's like well I'll, I'll be sure to remember that the next time i find myself in a similar situation and i'm like this is a similar s- situation like this is the la- the second time he's had a clone <laughs> so
1: like right
0: <laughs> so so at least <laughs> he has kind of a protocol of yeah he's got protocol and then uh they just go off on their next adventure and that's pretty much that personally uh, I really I enjoyed this episode like I didn't think it was anything like super crazy there was no like big twist or anything but I, I wonder again you know looking at it through you know the lens of maybe the 60s where this kind of thing hadn't been done a lot I wonder if like the the Dr. Corby is an Android thing was a, a big surprise back then like a real big twist and it's just kind of like commonplace now you you kind of expect it Um,
1: really no complaints I could see that.
0: Yeah, I I really don't have any complaints about this episode. Uh, Like I said, I was glad that, you know, a character like uh, Nurse Chapel got, you know, we got to see her again. Um, It was kind of nice to have the focus not be completely between, you know, Kirk and Spock and McCoy because we got no McCoy on this episode. So, like, they kind of gave, you know, some of these people a break and there was very little Spock. So that's cool because you don't really want to, you know, I I feel like watching – uh just those guys every week would kind of start to wear on me, so it's nice to get a little bit of a break um but yeah, like I said o- right. overall, I just no complaints, solid episode, like nothing super special but but nothing really really bad for me. What did you think of that one?
1: I really enjoyed this episode personally um i I liked how they keep showing how Kirk has foresight, he's always planning thinking ahead on you know his moves. Um, uh, I enjoyed how Spock was able to catch on right away. Like, hey, this is a fake Kirk, the villain. Well, he's not so much. It, the villain was pretty good. He, he's not your typical villain. You kind of understand where he bleeds what he believes so intensely that nothing else matters, which doesn't make it right, but it doesn't also make him a flat-out villain. Right. Uh, he's he's kind also, of the
0: Thanos in that like. Uh, you know he's 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 got the right idea but the wrong way of doing it.
1: Right. Also, seeing uh Russ the android, it makes me wonder. Hey, there are other alien races out there, obviously, and this is what some of them might have looked like. Because, like I said earlier in this episode, I feel like if you're going to create an android, you'd probably create an android that looks like yourself or your or your species, I should say. Right. So we kind of got a kind of new race of aliens put in even though the old ones are no longer.
0: Right. Um so I guess like I I was curious. I wanted to ask your opinion on this. So do you know the whole um the ship of Theseus thing? Yes. Okay. So that kind of applies but kind of doesn't, but if you take your consciousness and you put it into a robot body, like is that still you or is that not you? Like it's it's kind of you, but it's not.
1: Man, that, that that's a tough question, honestly. Uh, at least with the ship, you know, when you're talking about it, you place it, you know, you, over time, you, you know, you change parts in and out, and right. even though you can replace everything in the ship. I think it's more or less your experience of sailing that ship that makes that ship the true ship in a sense.
0: Right. I guess like a better question Uh, would be um, like if you were to transfer your consciousness to an Android body, like could you be sure that it transferred or that it didn't just copy and that like you're actually dead but now this you, you, you know, isn't actually that guy. It's just another version of him that thinks he is that guy. You know what I mean?
1: Well, I, I also think you have to look at it from the perspective, you know, yeah, even though all your memories are transferred over, is there a soul, quote unquote, to this body?
0: Right, exactly. You know, are
1: you just memories? Or are you something more than just memories?
0: Right. But also... Uh, given the opportunity, would you put your consciousness in an, an android body?
1: You know, if you were to asked me that question maybe 15 years ago, I probably would have said yes. Because I'd be like, oh, immortality. That would be pretty cool. You wouldn't miss out on anything. But being older now, I would probably say no. Because I, I think what makes being human so interesting is you're only here for a short time. Right. You never get that back. Which I'm kind of surprised they were kind of asking this question in the 60s, honestly. I feel like this would be something that would have came out maybe like in the 80s or 90s for an idea.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, I got to imagine a lot of the the philosophical stuff like that's probably been around for quite a while. I mean, especially, you know, it's not like dying is a a new concept. Like I, I have to imagine, you know, they probably wondered about things like this, you know, as far as if you could live forever, would you? Like they've probably been wondering about that since the beginning of time, I would assume, but um, right,
1: but yeah, well, the question is, would you do it?
0: See, that's what I was gonna say is I'm on the fence about that, um because while like, yeah, like you 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 made a very good point in that you know part of you know what's special about us is that we don't last forever. Uh, but at the same time, man, I would be super curious about, you know, just the things that we find out in the future. Like, especially when it pertains to something like space or even just like our own ocean. Like I am super curious about the things that we will find in the future or like the things that we'll do and the things that we'll learn that I will never do. And I will never know. So I really feel like my answer to that would change depending on the day that you asked me that question, because some days I would be like, Hell yeah, dude, I would love to live forever and then on other days I'm like I
1: don't want to live another like 15 seconds.
0: So, really I think it just depends right? on well, the day.
1: Well, also, if you say you did transfer your conscien- consciousness over to an android body, do you still get the endorphins when, you know, you're playing a video game and you beat a boss? You still get that, you know, same thrill. Do you does, you know, like you said, like oh, it'd be nice not to have to eat anymore, but come on, eating's kind of fun. Also, you'd, are, are you going to do androids get pleasure from sex? Do they even have sex?
0: See, I feel like what all of that stuff the human, would be worked out by then. Like eating. Um, I would, I would, I would, I would love to be able to continue eating. Cause I love food. Like I said, but they, pr- I, I imagine that would be a little more difficult. Cause like, then you have to break all that down. And like, how do you, you know, reproduce the taste of things. I feel like in terms of stuff like endorphins, like that's all just it's all just chemicals, right? So they could figure out how to how to pump that stuff into at the appropriate times. Cause like I I yeah, obviously you don't want to live without things like that. Or like, you know, when Corby had mentioned, you know, being able to remove fear, and it's like, well, what's the point of living then if you don't have that fear
1: of death? Um you you, you know that's well health, sometimes fear is what keeps you alive. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Uh But yeah, uh, I think my biggest issue would be if I transferred my consciousness and it did actually transfer to not just copy, I would probably in under a year have a uh, just an existential breakdown of trying to figure out if it did actually copy or if I'm a fake, like even if it did work, I would probably drive myself absolutely insane and wondering, like, am I still, you know, that same Brandon or am I just a copy of Brandon? And like, he's he's dead. Like, I'm not the real one, you know?
1: Well, also with that, unless you were to power down, you would never have to sleep. You'd think about it constantly.
0: Which would be terrible because I am one of those people whose brains just never shuts off. So I would have to, like, run my batteries out or something. Oh, God. You know, they. if I'm going to do this, they need to fix a lot of things first. I'm, I'm not going to sign up for the beta. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if that's it for you... Um, that's going to be it for me. Yeah. So uh, the next episode that we cover is going to be season one, episode eight, entitled Miri. If You like the podcast, don't like the podcast, you know, just want to talk about really anything, especially Star Trek related. Uh, we're on Twitter at WWST underscore podcast. You can email us at, uh, on Gmail at wwstpod@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Um, you can check us out anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, and that includes uh, audio-only versions on YouTube. We don't do video. I know that's, like, getting up. It's becoming a popular thing to do podcasts, like video podcasts on YouTube. And at that point, like, is it even really a podcast if there's video involved? I don't know. That's another discussion for another time. But, uh, yeah, that's it for me.
1: Later, guys.